Titus 2 in your Bibles, please. Titus 2. If you're using one of the black Bibles, uh, you're welcome to t- turn to Titus 2. This morning will be a little bit different. One of the black, if you're using the black Bibles, page 629, page 629 of the black Bibles that are provided. We will eventually get to Titus 2, but this morning is going to be a little bit unique in that what we're going to be doing is kind of a a word study from several different passages. And so most of the passages will be up on the screen when we get to Titus. Uh, We will look at that one. You'll see that on the screen here as as well. Let's just uh, pause for a moment and ask for God's help as we consider His Word. Father, we are thankful for the many exciting things that have happened today. We are thankful for the opportunity now to look into Your Word. We pray that You would make this time useful for us that it might be helpful. I pray that you would uh, instruct us through your word. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. So what do you think of Ikea? Do you like Ikea? You know, the place that you go and get lost. It's like the the human mousetrap, right? You go in there and you can't get out. How do you get out of this place? It's like amazing. That's the reason, you know, that's the reason they serve food, right? Because... You get in there and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm stuck here for all eternity. I might as well buy a sandwich. <laughs> so eventually you find your way to this great big warehouse and, and you give them the item that you want and uh, they find it and they put it in your cart and you take it home. And then comes the fun part, right? Putting the stinking thing together. I mean, that'll, that'll test your walk with Jesus right there. I mean, you know, trying to figure out these directions and... Nobody ever gets to the end and says, oh, well, that was fun. (laughs) Nobody ever, while they're putting those things together, says, oh, well, this makes sense. Um, You know, maybe if you have a degree in engineering, you can make some sense out of all of that. But but, but you get instructions like this, right? So place bottom of cage nut through square hole from backside of the rail. Allow the lower portion of cage nut to grip the rail. Compress the upper portion of the cage nut. Attach self-supports E5 with fastener E2 to the rack mount and the rails of the cabinet. I mean, you're looking at, what in the world are they talking about? And then you take the instructions and you flip it over to the other side. And there's this picture that looks like somebody took a stick of dynamite and exploded the thing. And then they took a picture of it like mid-explosion. You know what I'm talking about? Like that picture where the thing's just like... Suspended animation, the things are blowing up. And then you look at that picture and you say, oh, I get it. Now, now, now all of those crazy instructions that made no sense to me before, now, I, okay, I, now I, I kind of see what they meant. I mean, how in the world would you ever put those things together with the instructions that they give you? What really helps is the picture. Well, you know, there's a value in us providing a picture, an image, a pattern in the Christian walk. In many ways, the the Christian walk works the same way. I mean, we, we know the instructions. We know that God's word is sufficient. It tells us how to live. It tells us how to be godly. But sometimes we just we just want to see it like we just want to see that picture of what it looks like. I mean, we know that there are examples in Scripture, right? We know that there are characters in Scripture that that provide us an example, and we look at them, and sometimes they just seem so 
so distant, so, so removed from our situation that we, that we want something a little more, a little more tangible. I mean, we ask ourselves this question, right? What would Jesus do? And sometimes we scratch our head and say, yeah, what exactly would Jesus do in this situation? But God in his grace has provided us patterns, examples in our immediate environment around us, in the, in the day in which we live, that provide that powerful means in which we can, kind of, we can kind of flip the page over and look at the exploded example and say, oh, now I see how it kind of fits together. And so this morning, we're just going to do a simple little word study. This word is translated most often in our Bibles, pattern or example. And so this morning will actually be a little bit different than our normal custom. Normally, we take a passage of Scripture and we just stay parked in that one passage. But as we, as we kind of dig into the word, we're going to show you the same word as it occurs various places in Scripture, and that will help out our, our understanding. So this word that's translated usually a pattern or example is used 16 times in the New Testament. Um, six of those occurrences deal with a believer providing an example, a pattern to other believers. You see, you and I, if we're believers, if we're following after Jesus, you and I are to provide a pattern for other believers. Paul uses this word twice in reference to himself. He actually says in 2 Corinthians 3.9, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves, here's our word, an example of how you should follow us. Paul actually cites his own example as the pattern. So many of you know if you've looked at linguistics at all, you know that much of our English language comes from Latin. Another large portion of our language comes from Greek. Of course, Greek is the language of the New Testament, so sometimes these Greek words will trickle their way into our English language. And so the Latin word is typus, and the Greek word is a derivative of the word that actually means to strike. Or blow. Now, now, you may say, what do those words have to do with each other? What does a strike or a blow have to do with an image? These seem unrelated. But in extra-biblical literature, it was speaking of an image that was struck onto perhaps a, a piece of wax. And it would leave the imprint on that softer substance. And this is, this is uh, we, still, we still actually bring this into our language today. Have you ever heard of a typewriter? If you're not familiar with that, go to eBay and look under antiques. Right? You remember those? Like you would push a button and this arm would swing up and go boom. And where it went boom, it would leave a type, a blow, a mark, an impression. That's the word that is used in the New Testament. It, it is that which leaves an impression, that which, that which imprints itself on something else. 
So a typewriter leaves an ink impression, but nowadays we still use this kind of idea in our own vernacular, right? We say, so-and-so left a real imprint on my life. We're using that same image. It's a type. It's an example. It's something that has, has struck me. Now, when we're talking about mothers, I mean, it's Mother's Day, right? We're talking about those that leave an impression. They don't literally strike you and leave an Well, okay, but, but that's not what the word means, right? I mean, the idea is that they left a, a, not a physical imprint, but they, they left an impression on my life. And, of course, mothers, mothers provide this example, and we celebrate today the opportunity that we have, whether you're a mother this morning or not, to leave an imprint on the lives of other people. Well, Paul says, I, we made ourselves an example we, we showed you a picture that left an imprint on you. Paul also uses this word under inspiration of the Spirit in Philippians 3. He says, brethren, join in following my... This is not our word. This is not the Greek word that we're referring to. Follow my example. This actually is a word that comes over into English when we say mimic, right? You mimic me is what he's literally saying. It's similar to what he says in 1 Corinthians 1 when he says, mimic me as I mimic Christ. And then the rest of the verse here in Philippians 3, he says, and note those who so walk as you have us for a, and here's the word, pattern. Trace this pattern. And in both of these examples, the apostle actually encourages others to look to him to provide that example. Now, Paul was an apostle but he wasn't perfect. Yet he still holds himself up as an example. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at a passage like this, I get, I get a little convicted. I mean, how many of us are willing to say, hey, look at me, do what I do. Mimic me, imitate me, and you will in so doing be a follower of Jesus. I mean, how many of us can speak of our own testimony to others in such a way as that? It's not uncommon for corrupt celebrities or fallen sports heroes to be, to be trotted out as examples of their failing. Of course, the, the excuses abound, but, but sometimes you'll hear a celebrity say, well, listen, I'm no, I'm no moral role model. I'm just a whatever. I'm just a ball player. I'm just, a, just an actor, an actress. Well, the fact is everybody is a role model for better or for worse. In the 1990s, I remember Charles Barkley argued very publicly that athletes ought not to be set up as role models. Well, whether you agree with him or not, the, the, the reality remains that someone in public life is serving as a role model. But everybody does, don't we? I mean, I'd venture that everyone here, everyone in this room, is a role model for someone. The question is, are you a good one? Maybe you're just the president of your HOA, or you're a senior in high school, or you're a mom or a dad. You are an example. So could, could you point... Could someone else point to you and say, do what he does? 
Suppose we have a, a, a young person who's, who's just uh, getting familiar with the faith, and, and, and I were to say to that young person, let's see, which person could I point you to to, to you do what they do? Could I point to, can I tell this young person, you just do what this person does, and then you'll know the right way to live. You'll know how a Christian is supposed to live. Could I say that of you? Could I say that even of myself? What a convicting question. When Paul says, I'm setting an example for you. I'm showing a type. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, the interesting thing is that Paul addresses a church and he actually gives us the distinct impression that the entire church provided this kind of an example for others. 1 Thessalonians 1. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Now, let's just pause for a moment. Because when we look at this matter of providing an example to others, we, we may look at that and say, well, that's, that's overwhelming. That's daunting. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't really provide the example that I should. And if you're saying that, you're right. But notice what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians. He says, the gospel came to you in power. Now, he's going to go on and talk about their example in a moment, but he starts with the gospel. Why? Because the good news of Jesus is what gives us the power to provide an example to others. We're saying, I, I want to show an example of Jesus. I want, to, I want to show an example of the right kind of life. We cannot do that without the miraculous work, the power of the gospel. Well, what is this gospel? What is this good news? The reality is that the Bible teaches us that every one of us are born in a state of sin. We are born in a state of separation from God. And because of that, we deserve separation from God, not just in this life, but, but even in the life to come. And so for us to be, to be made right with God, some substitute has to be made on our behalf. Either we have to pay for our sins or someone else does. And my friends, the work of Jesus Christ is that he came from heaven to earth to die, to live a perfect life and to die on our behalf and then be raised again the third day. And he didn't just provide us an example. By, by, providing, by providing the good news, by, by raising again from the dead, he now offers forgiveness of sin. He offers right relationship with God. And each of us must come to him in faith and repentance to access that forgiveness of sin. And so the question this morning is, have you embraced the gospel? Have you ever been forgiven of your sin? You've come to him in faith and repentance. You've, you've turned to Christ to trust in him alone for salvation. There is power in the gospel. And so Paul starts, when he talks about the example of this church, he starts with the gospel, that the word came to you that the gospel came to you in word and in power, and then the gift of the Holy Spirit in much assurance. So then he goes on, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, so that you became, here's our word, examples to all in Macedonia, all in this northern region of Greece, 
and, and Achaia, the southern coastal region, a little bit further away, who believed. You became an example. Basically, the entire region had been influenced by one church. So real, so powerful was their adherence to the gospel. And so verse 5 tells us that what empowered them to be this regional example was the gospel. This morning, you may want to be an example to someone that is watching. This morning, you need to know that, that, that it is good that you're desirous of being an example, a light to the world, but that starts with recognizing your own inadequacy. Now, you may feel like hippo, uh, Christians are hypocrites, and to some extent, you'd be right. In fact, Christians are not only hypocrites, we're also liars and cheaters and thieves and murderers and immoral. In fact, all of these descriptions are spoken in Scripture. You say, well, then why do I want to be a Christian? Because the fact is that this is the plight of all mankind. Christians are not people who are trying to reach our fullest potential. Christians are people who have acknowledged that we're corrupt, that we are broken, that we are sinners needing a Savior. You see, Christ died not simply so that we could have a good example. If all we had was Christ's example, we would still be hopeless and lost in our sins. That would undervalue the death of Christ. Christ died so that the power of the gospel can transform us. It is, however, certain that we provide an example to others by first coming to him. And so this morning is more about just challenging you moms or dads or leaders or or bosses, or community, uh, people involved in the community. It's not just challenging you to be a better example. This is an exercise in futility. It's a challenge to all of us to embrace the gospel that transforms us. And of course, today we're thinking about parenting, right? We're thinking about this, this powerful example that we provide for our little ones. So the question occurs to me, how intentional are you about exposing your children to godly patterns. I mean, this is part of what a local church is for, to give you allies in raising your children for the glory of God. You are responsible for their discipleship, but there are other powerful examples, patterns, teachers, older adults, leadership that are available to you in the church. Henry Stanley went on a search for a man named David Livingston. He finally found Livingston in Africa, and he, he chose to live with him for some time. Here is what he wrote after spending a good bit of time with Dr. Livingston. He said, I went to Africa as prejudiced as the biggest atheist in London. But there came for me a long time of reflection. I saw this solitary old man, and I asked myself, what the, on earth does, is he doing here? Is he, is he cracked? Is he crazy or what? What inspires him? For months after we met, I found myself wondering at the old man, carrying out all that was said in the Bible, leave all things and follow me. But little by little, his sympathy for others became contagious, and my sympathy was aroused. I was converted by him, although he had not tried to do it. Paul also in his writings reminds leaders that they are to be this kind of example. 
This shouldn't surprise us. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul challenges Timothy, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but be an example of the believer in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then Peter addresses the same thing to pastors. He says, Not being as lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Pastor means shepherd. And in the very next verse refers to Christ, who is himself the chief shepherd. Someone has said it this way, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. And so these passages here in the pastoral epistles speak specifically to pastors, but there's an interesting passage, and this is the last one that we look at this morning, in Titus chapter 2. And it's interesting for our consideration this morning because it's Mother's Day. This passage in, in, in Titus 2, you may have your Bible open there to page 629, it says, it says specifically addresses the ladies and how they are to provide a pattern for others. In fact, our ladies did a book study that just wrapped up and read a book that was based on this passage. Titus 2, beginning in verse 7, addressing the women in the church, it says, "...and in, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works." In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptible, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. In all things, showing yourself to be a, and this is the same word, a pattern of good works. I so appreciate the godly women that we have here at North Hills who provide such a beautiful example of godly femininity. Ladies, thank you for your character. Thank you for your consistent pattern of concern. Thank you for your servant's hearts. It struck me this morning that we're having a special day to celebrate mothers. And when I, when I looked around this morning, it was all of the mothers who were busy getting everything ready for this morning. And it is so like moms. It is so like the ladies. Um, they, are, they are diligent and, and hardworking and servants. And I, we are just so blessed at North Hills to have some of the best women anywhere. Um, thank you, ladies, for your example. Um, you know, women, women set the tone. They set the tone for the home. They set the tone for the church. And I just, I credit the sweet, humble, loving spirit of our church to our wonderful, our wonderful ladies. And we're reminded in this passage that, that lives provide an example. This one is specifically addressed to ladies, but any of our lives. Provide an example for others. And so there are, there are challenges to pastors, there are challenges to men, there are challenges to women. But, but, but we, if you consider all of these together, it emphasizes the need of those that are a little bit further along, a little bit ahead in life or in spiritual growth to provide an example to those that are coming behind them and so in so doing teach with their lives. He emphasizes that in the verse leading up to it, that ladies are to be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love and patience. And then in verses 3 through 5, he specifically addresses ladies' responsibilities in showing younger ladies how to please God in their home life. You know, I learned something, I learned many things working with teenagers for about a decade. One of the things that I learned was, was really brought home to me as I, as I noticed the patterns of our teenagers 
And I knew this to be true kind of intellectually, but as I, the more I worked with teens, the more this really became impressed on me. Young people not only imitate, but usually exaggerate the strengths and weaknesses of their parents. All right? I mean, if you've got a, young, young, if you've got a, a parent who's strong in a certain area, it, it, it tends to be that the young person eventually becomes even stronger in that area. And, and if you've got a, a character flaw in a parent, you, you usually see it exaggerated a little bit more in the young people. Well, well, I don't know about you, but that, that's startling as I think about parenting. <laughs> I think about the fact that my children will, will go further down the road than I went. And what a great responsibility it is for us to provide godly examples. Some of you perhaps this morning are grandparents. What a wonderful opportunity to reinforce what your children are hopefully trying to accomplish in their children's, your grandchildren's lives, assuming they're, they're trying to raise them for God's glory. I'm thankful for my parents and for my wife's parents who are, are godly examples for our own children as grandparents. Robert Ingersoll was a well-known skeptic of the 20th century. And uh, when he was in his heyday, two college students went to hear him lecture. As they, as they went away, these two college students were talking, and the one said to the other, well, I guess Ingersoll really knocked the props out from Christianity, didn't he? And the other paused for a moment. He said, I don't think so. He said, Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. Many of us owe a debt of gratitude to a parent who showed an example. One of the things that I found in marriage counseling that can be a real challenge is, is encouraging someone to be a godly husband or wife when they themselves never saw that pattern growing up. Maybe you can find someone like that, someone who needs a godly example, someone who needs to be mentored, maybe that you can attach yourself to and and mother them or, or father them in the faith. And this is, again, one of the reasons that God has called us into community at a local church where we can have other examples surrounding us that, that flesh out, that give us a, a better understanding of what it means to live the Word of God day by day. You need to be around those kind of people that you can look to for an example that can show you this pattern, this picture of good works. You say, well... I don't really need that. Okay, perhaps not. But you can be it for someone else. All of us hold some form of spiritual leadership. That gives us a responsibility to provide an example. And it's our goal as a church that everyone is, is discipling someone else and is being discipled by someone. You want your fa children to be faithful? You want them to come faithfully to worship? Show them a pattern of faithful church attendance. Do you want them to serve others? Show them a pattern of service. We challenge young people to spread the gospel. Are you showing them yourself what it means to have gospel conversations? All of us ought to be an example only through the power of the gospel. I remember a few years ago when I was interning, it's getting to be several years ago when I was interning while I was in college, the, the church that I was at did this extravagant vacation Bible school, and they did huge vaca vacation Bible schools. And, one, and the year that we were doing it was some sort of a mountain theme, 
And they, in the, in the gymnasium area, they took a projector and they put an image of a mountain. It was the logo from Bible school. And it was like, it was like two and a half stories tall. And we, we basically created a plywood mountain that we put out in front of the church as a, as a gigantic sign. I remember t- tracing that thing, and then we would trace it onto sheets of plywood that then became our gigantic plywood mountain that we, we painted. You know, I could never have drawn that. I'm, I'm not much of an artist. But I can trace, right? If you, if you put a line up there and say, trace that line, that I can do. Are we doing that for others? Are we, are we putting that, that pattern, are we projecting that image saying, trace that line? What kind of a pattern are you? This morning we're all challenged. We're thankful for the patterns in our lives. Although perfect, although imperfect, have, have been a challenge to us, have encouraged us in the right way. And may all of us this morning be challenged to be a pattern of godliness to other people. Father, we thank you for our time together. We're thankful for... Uh, the, the things that we've been able to do this morning. And now, Lord, as we pause and just ask for you to work in our hearts, help us to see the ways that we can be better patterns to other people, we can be an encouragement to one another, and that we can offer ourselves to you. I want to do